All right. Happy February the 13th. I almost said Friday the 13th there. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast, and I am Casey Light, joined by Sean Rotar. Can you believe it, Sean? It is an icy and cold day here in Denver, Colorado, but we're happy on February 13th because pitchers and catchers report down in Arizona the Rockies are officially back as of today. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, it's been a long winter, and you know we've talked about this before. You and I are baseball guys. It always seems to take way too long, so I'm, I'm happy to see baseball is back. And, of course, we're talking about the best team in town. Yeah, whatever you hear about the Broncos, that's fine. They went, they won five games. This is a team that went to the playoffs. The only one that went to the playoffs, and they look to be in even better position this year, which is hard to believe, but it's the truth. Yes, uh, practices will get underway officially tomorrow. Today, it's really the guys just showing up, uh, the pitchers and catchers. And, and realistically, they've actually been down there for quite a while. Uh, we've been going back and forth with Kyle Freeland, who's on the cover of the February issue of Mile High Sports Magazine. If you haven't seen that yet, make sure you get to milehighsports.com. Click on the subscribe link and check that out. Uh, Kyle was very gracious to sport both his Rockies and his Thomas Jefferson Spartans uniform, but we've been talking to uh, Kyle and, and he's been down there. Most of the guys have actually been down there for quite a while, but today, February 13th, is officially the day that pitchers and catchers report. Uh, they'll get their measurements, they'll do their weigh-ins, they'll t- do their physicals, get themselves acclimated, and then the workouts begin tomorrow. This is one of three podcasts we will be doing over the next three days on the Blake Street Irregulars podcast, which is brought to you by Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street. Uh, We can almost taste the beer. It is so close to us. Uh, Great spot to hang out uh, during the course of Rockies season. Uh, Just a couple of blocks away, 1920 Blake Street. They've got 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, uh, terrific roof top uh, views all year round not just a baseball spot but it is definitely one of our favorite baseball spots we'll be there at least a couple of times a month podcasting uh, related here to the Blake Street Irregulars podcast can't thank our friends down at tap 14 enough Uh, but yes the the workouts begin tomorrow like I said this is going to be part of a three-part series on pitchers and catchers today we are going to begin by talking about the catchers that are on the Colorado Rockies roster and catcher was a very interesting position for the Rockies last year Uh, much more solidified coming into the 2018 season than they were in the 2017 season when we were expecting Tom Murphy and Tony Walters to be competing for the job and probably more realistically splitting the job an injury to Murphy in spring training really changed those plans around uh, and Jeff Breidich knowing that he's got like you mentioned a solid postseason ready team was not going to leave things to chance he went out and made moves in 2017 to bring in Jonathan Lucroy and then in maybe a bit of a surprising move made a move this offseason very early in the offseason to bring back a former Rocky in Chris Iannetta here we are on February 13th Jonathan Lucroy is still a free agent but Chris Iannetta looks to be the main guy uh, with Tony Walters kind of serving as the the 1A catcher for the Rockies heading into the 2018 season Sean, what are your thoughts on the notion of going with Ionetta while Lucroy is still out there as a free agent? Yeah, well, my first instinct is the idea of the collusion that gets thrown around because it's been a slow free agent market. That, that 
in some regards, I think, sort of neutralizes that argument because if, if the Rockies knew it would have come down, they wouldn't have jumped the gun and got Chris Iannetta. They wanted to get a catcher they were comfortable with right off the bat. They did want Luke Croy back, but the idea behind the early negotiations was it was going to cost too much money, and so they went a different direction. I mean, if, if Luke Croy ends up finding himself without any sort of role and the Rockies wanted to bring him back and have some sort of platoon of Luke Croy and Iannetta, I don't think you'd complain, but... It's an offensive difference between the two guys. Lucroy was terrific uh, for Colorado offensively, but defensively, actually, you look at them, they're pretty similar. And when they look at the uh, the catcher ERA, Lucroy for the Rockies was a 4.02, and Chris Iannetta a 4.03. Now, uh, Chase Field is not the hitter's park that Coors Field is, but it's not that far off it's from it either. It's, it's basically the closest there is. So you're talking about two guys that are veterans, two guys who know how to frame pitches, how to work with staffs. So I think defensively, you didn't downgrade. I think the question is, did you downgrade offensively? And if so, how much? For the Rockies, however, given the youth of their starting pitching especially, and given now the, the very veteran nature of their bullpen, I think that the defensive side has to take precedence, and I think the Rockies did okay. It's another position that they probably want to continue to look at. Walters, catcher ERA, by the way, a full run higher, 5.07. Uh, he's an athletic guy, but he's yeah. still learning how to catch a game. Yeah. And Tom Murphy, same thing. Very small sample size for him. Only got six starts. Yeah, absolutely. Murphy's, I think, a work in progress. I think they were, you know, we've we've been saying for a long time that the Rockies, their focus had always been 2018. 2017 kind of snuck up on them and surprised them. They got off to that amazingly hot start last year, uh, thanks to some rookie pitchers. And you can't discount the, the work that the catchers did in that. Ryan Hannigan stepped in uh, as on a minor league contract, uh, was called up fairly early in the season and did a really good job. Uh, we shouldn't take away from anything that Tony Walters has done. He's been a very good pitch framer. We know that. Uh, he's, you know, a spark plug in the lineup when he's in there. Uh, but yeah, realistically, they needed to have that upgrade. And, and that's why Lucroy made so much sense as a trade deadline acquisition. You talked about the difference in offensive production between these two. And, you know, I, I think, you know, my my feeling as we look at it now on February 13th, we were excited, you know, back in in December, essentially, when when the Rockies made the move for Ionetta, because we said, OK, this is probably a smart move. They've had conversations with Lucroy. Maybe the price was just too high. But boy, did the market really, really freeze up, not just on catchers, but across the board. Uh, there have been some big signings. Uh, you know, obviously, we know that uh, Alex Avila, you know, got a, a pretty good sized deal. Um, with Arizona, and, and you know, there's some other larger deals that have come through. Wellington Castillo signed a couple of year deal uh, with the White Sox, but for the most part, catcher has really kind of been just like the rest of MLB free agency after that initial early period where the Rockies were very, very active, and things have kind of have have been cold. If you look at the difference with with Lucroy and Ionetta, and, and you have to take these splits with a grain of salt because Lucroy played only 46 games with the Rockies last year, uh, but in those 46 games. Uh, Lucroy hit 310 uh, with a 429 on base percentage, 437 slugging percentage, uh, 13 RBIs in those 46 games for Colorado. Uh, his season totals, he hit 265 between Texas and Colorado. Uh, Ionetta actually had a, a bit of a bounce back year for him uh, in, in Arizona last year, where he was uh, pulling split duty as well. He caught about 90 games last year. 
uh, for the Diamondbacks in their run to the NL wild card. Uh, but he hit 254, which was actually, uh, like I said, a bit of a bounce back for him. Uh, the, the thing that's a little disconcerting for me is what we saw him do the two prior years. He was with Seattle in 2016, where he hit just 210. And even more disconcerting in 2015, uh, in 92 games with the Angels, hit just 188. So, you know, as he is getting up there in years, he'll be 35 this year for Colorado. Obviously a long time, Rocky. We know that he's, you know, he started his career here, uh, spent, you know, a significant amount of time, six years with the Rockies. Um, obviously he's comfortable. He's familiar here. There's going to be that level for him, but does Ionetta have the bat left uh, in order to contribute to this roster in a way that we think Lucroy probably could have? I mean, I'll give him my honest answer. And that is no. I, I, I think when you start seeing a decay in offense and, and as you talked about the, the two previous years and, and you go to Arizona, but you can discount that a little bit, just like you can for a guy that puts up big numbers at Coors Field. Now, I think Lucroy's numbers were also inflated too. He was underwhelming uh, in, in Texas when the Rockies were able yeah, to acquire two, him. 242 for the first half of the season. Right, with, so not uh, super Rangers, impressive. So. But Ionetta, I mean, would it surprise me if he was a 220 hitter? No, it wouldn't. And so for the Rockies, that that means the defense is going to be the key decider for all of it. And maybe there is a, a maturation process with Tony Walters, who has a little more of a an op- opportunity to be a better offensive player, has probably the strongest arm uh, throughout the most guys stealing by a wide margin at the best percentage throwing guys out stealing he's very quick out of his stance uh, he has a lot of physical ability that you like out of a catcher so if he could make the leap this season to really understanding the the mental aspects of the game and for catchers that's slow to develop it's it's the most complicated position on the field mentally and if i think if walters could basically continue to mature it would not surprise me at all if by the all-star break He's really your guy, even though Ionetta was signed to the new deal. I, I think they understand that what they're getting is a, a, someone who can bring them one side of the game, but not the other. Chris Ionetta is not going to be an offensive force for the Rockies. No, Chris Ionetta's value really more so than anything else is to be able to shepherd this young starting rotation. And that's what that's the most important thing that he can do for this club. We'll be talking about the starting pitchers in tomorrow's Blake Street Regulars podcast. Just a reminder that Blake Street Regulars podcast is Brought to you by our good friends at Tap14. Follow them at TapXIV. That's Tap14 in Roman numerals on Twitter. Or you can visit them at Tap14, Tap14 spelled out, dot com. We'll be talking about that starting rotation in tomorrow's Blake Street Irregulars podcast. Uh, but that really is, is the most important role that Chris Iannetta is going to have. We are very excited about this Rockies roster. And so we've we've talked about the offensive production. Uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, Iannetta is going to find himself in the bottom half of that of that uh, lineup if you can get a bounce back year from a guy like Trevor Story, for example, if you can get some consistent production like you saw last year from a Gerardo Parra. Uh, I really think that that bottom half of the lineup, uh, there are places that you can slot Ionetta where he can be helpful and beneficial for your team and, and not too much of a, of, a, of a liability there offensively. What they really need are, are these two guys, uh, both Walters and Ionetta, to step up and help these very, very young pitchers. Uh, they have a, a stable seven young starters that, I mean, when you include uh, Chad Bettis into that because really Chad Bettis is a pretty young guy himself uh, but you know you, you run down that list the four rookies obviously who were so important last year there are seven guys who are going to be competing for roster spots and we'll be breaking down those guys uh, beforehand but yeah Walters really does have to take that next step forward he can't be the wide-eyed uh, young player that he looked like at times with that young staff last season yeah I think in the the Rockies case that's that's the trick is Walters is the guy of the future otherwise they have to basically go out and 
hope for free agency. I think of Tom Tom Murphy's an interesting guy, but he's already, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's already 25, 26. Yeah, he'll be 27 this okay, season. Okay, so yeah. so the basically the ceiling there every year that you're playing and and you're not being successful in the majors, your ceiling gets lower and lower and lower. And, and maybe he's a late bloomer, but I think the Rockies can't look at Tom Murphy anymore and say, "There's our long-term catcher of the future." That's realistically not the case. So yeah, it, it, you'd have to hope for a, a Charlie Blackman type emergence right. from him where he comes on very strong, you know, in the, in his late 20s as opposed to and perhaps a return you know, to health will do that. Yeah. I mean, he's had a lot of health problems. But yeah, to me, uh, Walters is the wild card. I, I think we know what we'll get out of Ionetta. He's going to bat eighth unless something went really wrong. He's not going to provide you a lot of punch, but he does efficiently and effectively play the catcher position. Uh, it, it, the, the situation Lucroy does still intrigue me the longer this goes on. And I mean, it's not my money to spend. And the Rockies have spent a lot of it. But Luke Roy's 31, and he looked recharged uh, when he was with the Rockies, and he provides them a little offense, and there's a comfort level with the existing young pitchers. The, the further they go down this road, I think we look at the at the first baseman position and the catcher position or maybe the two that are unsettled in, in certain regards. Uh, Ryan McMahon's probably going to get first crack at that, and he's, he's going to be his spot unless he proves he can't handle it. But... If I'm the Rockies, I, I keep Lucroy on speed dial. The longer this goes on, the more I kind of think, hey, you know what? This is a guy that we can have for three, four, maybe five years. Uh, catchers tend to age a little better than most because you're not counting on them offensively as much. And I would think about it. If I'm the Rockies, I haven't I haven't closed that door just yet. A- absolutely. And, and I think the other fear in that is, like, like you mentioned, Murphy hasn't developed the way that, that they would have liked. So you're hoping for a, a late bloomer type of mentality with, with Murphy. Uh, be- beyond Tom Murphy, really, there's, there's zero depth at the major league level. Uh, they, they have on the 40-man roster uh, just one other catcher, Chris Rubago, who is very much in the Tony Walters um, uh Vein, he is a 5'11", 185. Um, which catcher, makes him which, still make him almost 20 pounds lighter than Walters. Yep, which which Walters is 5'10", 200, but he is a converted middle infielder that they're trying to get to play catcher. Uh, he's, I mean, his his experience really is is very, very minor. Um, he played, you know, the, the highest level he's reached is, is Lancaster, the Cal League, uh, advanced A. So he's nowhere near being major league ready. Uh, the, the thing you, you mentioned about keeping Lucroy on speed dial... Here's where I think this could actually work for the Rockies is if you recall, they had a player on their bench last year who could do just about everything. That was Alexi Amarista, right? A big Bud Black favorite, a guy you could kind of plug into any position. Amarista has signed elsewhere. They need to find that guy on this roster. I like Tony Walters in that role because Walters can play virtually every position on the field save for pitcher in a crazy wild situation. Walters is a versatile guy. He's a small guy. He packs a punch. He's a spark plug. Doesn't that sound a lot like Alexi Amarista? And he can catch for you in an absolute pinch. I like that idea of having a Ionetta Lucroy pairing behind the plate with Walters on the bench for you because he can do so much. Uh, I love Tony Walters. Great guy. Awesome clubhouse presence. But my fear with Tony Walters is his durability. Uh, We saw in even in his rookie year when he was, you know, at, you know, at 24 years old, you're in that clubhouse and you're seeing Tony Walters. uh, I won't go into the details, but I'll say that you could tell that the wear and tear was catching up to him. And at 24 as a rookie, 
uh, who catches 71 games, you're going, boy, is that the kind of punishment that a guy who's only 5'11", uh, 5'10", can endure game after game after game, especially not growing up as a catcher? So what you're talking about is essentially what the Astros did with Craig Biggio all those years ago, realizing that while he can catch, maybe his future isn't there because of the size, because of the speed, and you don't necessarily want to burn those tools. And I, I, I could see that. In Walter's case, it's going to have to be at least serviceable enough offensively to do that. And yep. and there is a difference between guys you can catch and say, feel like you can go out and play second base behind a gold glover in, in DJ LeMayhew. But it is a possibility. The Rockies, given their situation, as we've talked about at first base, where Ian, the, the Ian Desmond signing did not work out necessarily for first base. That's not really a surprise. He hadn't played first base. Mm-hmm. That was sort of buried all of last year. But you don't know exactly who's going to have to play in the outfield. You don't know the health of David Dahl. You don't know if you have to leave Desmond out there. You don't know if Mick man can cut it yet you probably need to keep a couple extra players which means having a utility guy especially at least in april while this all sorts itself out uh, there is value to it and i think you bring up a very good point with walters but yeah for the for the rockies when you look at the catching situation you sort of hope they haven't given up on lucroy yet as the costs continue to go down yeah obviously the the question there just becomes at what price right. uh, because obviously the Rockies we know how much they've spent you know over a hundred million dollars already committed uh this offseason uh Iannetta is looking at a, a deal where he's locked in through uh through 2019 so it's a, effectively it's a two-year deal with a team option in 2020 Iannetta's gonna be 37 years old though at that point that's uh that's reaching the upper echelon right. of where you want to have a catcher uh, but he, you know, he's going to be coming in at 3.6 uh, this year, 4.1 for next year. So you're already looking at, you know, nearly eight million dollars committed to the catcher position over the uh, over the off season. Lucro, you have to imagine, is going to be worth more than that, just strictly based on his age and his his uh, prior accomplishments, having been an all star. Uh, and so, I, you know, the question really is, how is the rest of that market going to play out? We're starting to see some of those cracks, but you know, we all thought that, hey, that first one that's going to break is going to drive the market back down because there was so much waiting, so much waiting, so much waiting. Well, then the Cubs go out and sign you, Darvish, for a ridiculous amount. Right. And and everybody now is still back in that frozen mentality because they're going, well, gosh, is somebody else going to crack and give big money to somebody who may not necessarily, and especially long money, um, to somebody who may not necessarily be ready for it? Um, you know, Lucroy is kind of in that limbo area with with a couple of other catchers. There's not a, a ton There's of not. them available. There's not. And it's available. tough to think and that so, Lucroy is going to come for any cheaper than 10 million it's very hard to imagine that you're talking about two million 10 million, 10 million over the next... for, for a single per year a per year average yeah, that's that's and, and, what it's going to take and, at bare minimum and you'd be lucky if you got him for that yeah and that's the that's i think the difficult part is i just don't see that at that position especially with the need like you mentioned that they have at first base are they going to be willing to drop that much money into a guy that's going to be effectively uh you know a let's say maximum 75 percent of the time catcher because if you're spending that kind of money you probably want to see him on the field 75 percent of the time um and maybe he can play first here and there but uh, it's it's not something that he's really given a, a lot of thought to and played a lot of time so i mean i think that that's one of the risks for the rockies too you don't want to play too many guys out of position they tried that last year with desmond it, it didn't work they yeah. signed him to a big deal knowing that he'd never played first base and, and he did not look comfortable there at all. He well, looked very 
uncomfortable, and, and it, the Rockies eventually just gave up. Don't be surprised, though, if they try and force feed that again this year. Well, they because, may have to. Right. They, they, they really may have to. And, and you know, I, I was speaking, uh, I've, I've written about this on, on MileHighSports.com. We've spoken about this in previous podcasts, but the reality is that uh, so much of what happens with Desmond's future really does depend on what's going to happen with Charlie Blackman's future. Uh, there's, there's so many moving parts to the Rockies roster right now. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, sadly, I don't think they're going to make any more moves at the catcher position. Uh, I think they're going to, to lock in and be where they are. Uh, again, that's not to take anything away from, from either Ionetta or Tony Walters, who are both very, very capable guys. And, and I think will be important, impactful contributors to this roster this year. Uh, obviously, having Tom Murphy as a, as a you know sort of back pocket option, I think, is, is very important for this club uh, because obviously they moved on from Dustin Garneau last year, uh, allowed him to, to leave and go to Oakland. Uh, and so that pool is very thin. Wouldn't be surprised to see another mid-year acquisition type of thing happen should something happen with Ionetta if the bat's not there as they expected it to, if Walters isn't capable of carrying a heavy load like they would need him to. Um, you know, Obviously, I would love to see that scenario that I painted where you've got Ionetta, Lucroy, and Walters there in a utility role, but I just, from a financials perspective, I just don't see it, especially with the length of term that it's probably going to take to bring someone else in. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's in the cards. I think the, the, the Rockies at any time could have made overtures and we haven't heard about that. I don't think they're likely to do it. So this is where they're at. What I'm intrigued about is, is, as spring training continues is where the Rockies, whether it's Bud Black, whether uh, you know anybody in the organization takes a look at it and says, here's what we're hoping for, here's what we're expecting out of Chris Iannetta offensively because I don't know if there really is an expectation there. There probably shouldn't be. And for fans, it, it, you'd be easily disappointed. And I think that's where we look at Lucroy defensively Really not much different than Ionetta. It's the fact that the Rockies had an opportunity down the stretch to have a guy that contributed both offensively and defensively. And it doesn't sound as if the Rockies have that in one guy anymore like they did before. Looking at a couple of names on uh, MLB.com, free agent catchers still available. Uh, the name that's kind of jumping out to me and, and seems somewhat intriguing, and, and really a lot of it has to do with his, his veteran history, uh, but more so has to do with where that history is, is a guy by the name of A.J. Ellis, sure. a very familiar name for Rockies fans. Uh, what would you think of the idea of bringing in someone like Ellis on a one-year deal? He, uh, he played just... Uh, 51 games for the Marlins last year. But what would you think of someone like Ellis, who obviously spent the bulk of his career with the Dodgers in the National League West uh, as sort of a uh, a magic bullet uh, option for the Rockies, uh, somebody who can give them a little bit of dirt and intel on those Dodgers that they know they're going to be fighting throughout the entire course of the season for the National League West? Well, that wouldn't hurt. And I think they're, uh, his age, 36, uh, that's someone who's not going to come terribly expensive. There are a few guys that, when you look through the availables, that make me think about it. Some guys that maybe even still have a little upside uh, Hank Conger, a guy that has a little bit of a, a poke in his bat, too, as well. Tony Sanchez, a really athletic uh, catcher uh, who was down there in, and for had a good couple months in Atlanta. Maybe someone you can kick the tires on. And if you want someone who's got a little thump in the bat, uh, Jared Saltalamacchia is still out on the market, and he's only 32. The problem with, of course, Saltalamacchia is he's not really considered a great defensive catcher. So uh, that's, that's, I think, the trick. There's not a single person available that gets you all of it in one package. You can find some defensive catchers. You can find some guys that can hit. But all of it in one package, that's why Jonathan Lucroy was too expensive, and that's why the Rockies had to move on. There is not a Mark Reynolds sitting out there at catcher at this point is what you're saying no no i don't i don't think so not that had and reynolds the, the under the understated story for everything about reynolds is the fact that 
guy who was a butcher most of his career <laughs> comes to Colorado as a first baseman and all of a sudden looks like Todd Helton. Right. I, I, I still yep. am baffled as to how that happened because the most of his most of his career was a ter- atrocious fielder stayed in the American League because nobody wanted to put him in the field so no I don't think the Rockies can expect lightning to strike twice there especially at a position that's harder to fill well we will talk about uh, the first base position at another time Mark Reynolds at another time as we get closer to the full roster arriving there a little more at, than a week out. At Talking Stick, Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Uh, yeah, hard to believe, but it is, yeah, just right around the corner. Uh, position players will report on the 18th with their first workout on the 19th. We will continue this three-part series on pitchers and catchers tomorrow. Uh, I will be joined by a special guest to be named. Actually, we know who it is, but uh, we're going to tease you and uh, encourage you to listen to Mile High Sports Radio and 1340 in the meantime, because it is somebody that you will hear on Mile High Sports Radio. I have been joined this morning by Sean Drotar, who is on from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Mile High Sports with Nate Lundy and TJ Carpenter. Make sure you tune into mornings at 5280 on AM 1340, FM 1047, and on demand anytime at milehighsports.com. Again, this is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. You can expect two more installments over the next two days. Tomorrow we'll be talking about starting pitching, and then we'll wrap it up uh, on Thursday with... A little talk about that revamped Rockies bullpen. We are brought to you by Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, right around the corner from Coors Field. If you are getting out there for opening day, we encourage you to make your first stop, Tap 14. They have 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, an amazing Alpine Fair menu that is locally sourced and rotates seasonally, and of course, that terrific rooftop view all year round, but we're really looking forward to it come Rockies season. Sean, thank you so much, and we'll continue this discussion in the very near future. Anytime. Sounds terrific. You can find me at Tap 14. I'm the bald guy. It's easy. You'll see me. (laughs) All right. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you very much, Seamheads.